0: Hey, this is LGBTQA. and I'm Jeffrey Masters, and today I'm talking to Solomon Giorgio. If you like our show, please subscribe and leave a comment on iTunes. Specifically, leaving a comment is one of the biggest ways you can help our show to grow, and we really appreciate it. So as you'll hear, Solomon is a super funny comedian. He's also an African immigrant, and we talk about all the these stereotypes that come along with that. Some true, some not. And then we talk about dating and monogamy, and it's a really great conversation. Before we get to it though, don't forget that our old home at AfterBuzz TV is the number one place for all your TV talk needs, so check them out there. All right, without further ado, here's Salman. On the way over here, I was thinking about Chimamanda Ngoziriji, because you're African. Yes. Uh, And what she has to say about single stories. Do you know this? I do not know at all. She pretty much just warns people against having a single story for people's cultures and outlooks. So you were from Africa. Mm And then I would kind of apply everything I know about you to every African yes.
1: ever. When it's I've, a full continent. I've, that's my entire life. Uh, yeah. <laughs> is somebody finding out that I'm African and they're like, well, here are all the facts that I have.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And then also like her name is Shimamanda ngozi dichi mm. and your name is Solomon
1: Giorgio. Yeah, there's a different storyline. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm Jewish and Italian. Yeah. That should be my name. Well, yeah. Those <laughs> are both. Those are very. <laughs> well, Solomon is, well, Ethiopia, where my family's from, is very uh, old Christian. So Solomon is a very common name. Oh, really? I have a hundred cousins named Solomon. So when people are like, that's a unique name, like, no, I got a bunch of other Solomons. (laughs) Oh, wow. When did your family move here? Um, I was actually, I was born in Sudan in refuge and we moved to America in 1985. And you
0: guys moved here as refugees as well. Mm -hmm. Speaking of like single stories, I guess something that I think of like for immigrant families is that you grow up and you can be a doctor or maybe a lawyer. And then you
1: marry within that same ethnicity. You do really well in school. Did you like have that pressure? Um, I was the golden child. I was very good at academically. And I was called Dr. Solomon uh, as a kid. Really? Uh, I did not. uh, I did. I didn't. After high school, uh, because I was an overachieving student in high school. But afterwards, I was like school sucks I'm done oh really I, I was I I became a bad kid
0: but so you have like many brothers and sisters did that make it easier because there's less pressure no on no, no I was for sure
1: the golden child I was oh, really? I was the one that the other ones were uh, told to be like wow what do you mean by bad kid uh I uh well I, I I came out I left the house I didn't go to college immediately I did a fair amount of drugs <laughs> So all like fairly normal ish things.
0: Yeah. Just within the confines of like an immigrant family, I guess. But
1: it's it's bad in comparison to what my parents my parents definitely think we were like gone astray and did terrible things. And some of us actually did. I'm I have a sister who uh definitely uh enjoys the heroin. So oh. Oh. <laughs> well she was into it like twenty years ago, so she was definitely for sure when I was like so she led not a hundred percent chic, but she was definitely yeah, she led the uh the movement in her own way. Oh no.
0: I know I'm, when you're saying bad things, I know that you also like ran away as a kid. Oh, yeah. I
1: ran away when I was 17.
0: Right. So when I think of running away, I would like run like down the street or I'd go to like Jimmy's house and like <laughs> call my
1: mom and be like, oh, I'm here. I'm at Jimmy's. You actually came to L.A. I, yeah, I, I, at mid, I, like I planned for three months. I saved money from my job at Subway and I then, uh, also, uh, embezzled money out of my mother's account. I managed to, uh, uh, to, uh, fake a, um. Withdrawal note from her and take eight hundred and fifty bucks out of her own wow. account, and then I uh, I was a fa- I was a fancy little runaway because I like I packed all, all my luggage like all my I had like ten pieces like not t- like probably four pieces of luggage I had like two hundred pounds worth of stuff. You
0: had luggage with you?
1: Yes, I oh, I wow. took luggage. I called a cab at midnight when my father was asleep and my mom was still at work, um, but then they called back. Uh, so my dad answered and I, and he was like, no one called a cab here. So I was like, Oh no. <laughs> and then what I had to do was take all that luggage, uh, uh, three blocks away to Seven Eleven and call the cab there. And then I took a late night Greyhound, like around like one thirty in the morning and went right to Los Angeles, California. That's the most
0: like luxurious runaway story I've ever heard.
1: Oh, and I was very much, uh, <laughs> that kind of person it's like, I'm not, I'm going to run away, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to break a nail doing
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> that, that just takes like a lot of gall to come all the way to Los Angeles, I think.
1: Uh, I guess so. I didn't really think no. of it that way. It just made... it. just, just like the home situation wasn't the best. So it was like, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to live free in LA or do I want to be restricted by my uptight parents? <laughs> wow. So where did you stay when you got here? Um, when I came here, I ended up staying in a, a hostel right around the corner from uh, the Chinese Theater and that lasted a couple of months i ran out of money immediately and then all the adults there when they found out i was a runaway teen were like sneaking me in at night and and then eventually they were like well we can't do that anymore so i was da- i stayed one shelter in, you know, in hollywood and then another shelter in van nuys a homeless shelter oh uh, yes but it was uh, for children so it was more it was definitely um a better setup than.
0: gotcha well were you i didn't i know that the lgbt center currently has a homeless Mm -hmm. shelter for youth i don't like were you out at the time
1: no i was not out i was still uh i was like i was i wasn't i was being vague about my sexuality with everyone else but i was not confirming anything uh it was almost uh i was almost acting asexual like i was had zero interest in anyone gotcha we've all had that phase that's that's like an unspoken
0: phase i feel like
1: oh the the boring like i'm not into anything don't worry about me i'm I'm, like post-sex exactly (laughs) uh (laughs) So yeah, I was just, uh, but I was at a shelter for ex prostitutes and strippers at the age eighteen, and it was mostly women. And I think the uh, the the people that owned the place f- figured out I was gay on their own. <laughs> like you're a queer kid, and you're fine to hang out with nothing but girls.
0: <laughs> oh, gotcha.
1: Because it was uh, there was only like two other boys in the shelter other than myself, and we'll, both of them were very open.
0: Wow. Yeah. What were you doing like
1: during the day? Well, during the day, you would watch a lot of TV. And there's also school. Uh, oh, really? Because uh, even it's shelters, uh, especially, specifically for children, definitely want to make sure you're getting an education or, or working towards uh, getting, your, getting a job and getting your own place. Uh, but yeah, it's a bunch of just young adults uh, because they're all like, well, all the other kids were, they had a, they had a, a sex worker background. I didn't, uh, but they were very like, you had to mature very quickly in their life. Wow. So there was just these girls who were like, mm, well, uh, my boy, my boyfriend turned out to be a pimp, took me to Las Vegas, and this shelter saved me. Wow. Yeah. I just think of like the
0: dichotomy of like the Uber stress of, oh, God, where am I going to stay tonight? Do I mm-hmm. have a safe place? And the like mundane during the day. I'm just like, I'm <laughs> bored as fuck. Yeah, you have to <laughs>
1: fill a whole day. Oh my God. So how long did you stay in Los Angeles? About five months. And then I ended up uh, in... I had a couple of uh episodes what led me to being in a uh, mental hospital. Oh <laughs> uh and uh the second trip uh got me uh ended my tenure with the uh, shelter, so I called my I finally called my father to pick me up. Wow. And, trip to the mental hospital or trip and then drug trip? No, 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 mental hospital. I oh, I okay. had uh I had uh the episodes were like very emotional anxiety ridden episodes. Uh like one of them I cut my hair with scissors. <laughs> and well the first one I locked myself out, the second one is I cut my own hair and I also may have thrown the phone at the person taking me to the mental hospital. <laughs> wow. Cuz once you realize that they're going to take you anyway, you're like, "You know what? I might as well just get the bang out of my."
0: <laughs> was was that uh I don't mean to sound rude, no. way. was was that like actual mental health issues you were having or is that like teenage Well, I was for out? sure.
1: Um it was I got on the spectrum of uh of breakdowns I wasn't uh I wasn't like it wasn't like a full scale nervous breakdown because I had mental clarity the next day uh and they always released me cuz it's usually a 3 day evaluation and that's when they decide to release you um and I that happened both times uh, uh the but the second one lasted a little longer cuz I had to wait for my father to come pick me up oh wow yeah
0: and then you went home mm-hmm. to, like, this environment you're trying to get away from.
1: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> oh, wow. But yeah, my, my parents let me back home. Uh, I stayed not too much longer because then I was like, well, uh, I'm going to be who I really am. <laughs> so peace out. Meaning gay? Uh, gay. Uh, just not willing to adhere to the, uh, the life rules they wanted to apply to me, which is I didn't want to be a doctor or go gotcha. to... Really go to college very much. <laughs>
0: do, you, do you feel pressure from, like, societal life roles where it tells you, like, what you need to do with your life?
1: Um, Not, like, uh, here and there, uh, but not so much. It's really, it's surprising how my parents unintentionally gave us uh, this headstrong need to follow our own path. Uh, and it's because, like, they, they took such big risks to get to where they're going that it just didn't make any sense not to... Um, to like to just do things that we don't that seemed safe because that's not how they live their lives so why would they expect their children to do the same
0: yeah that's a great point yeah so Uh, yeah i mean i'm like an uber independent person and it drives my folks crazy but i'm like this is how you raised me
1: mm -hmm. well i'm not independent (laughs) but well i can't live alone i can tell you that oh really (laughs) oh i like cannot wait until i can afford to live alone yeah, I'm not that way. I don't think I can sleep at night without knowing there's someone else that lives in the same house with me. Really? Yeah. It was do you like a roommate or boyfriend? Um I have two roommates. Oh wow. Yeah. So if they're both out of
0: town, do you think about that?
1: Um if they're out of town for more than a night, then it can definitely become an issue where I get in my own head. Oh wow. Uh so I tend to if they're gone for more than a few days and I'm like, All right, I guess I'm gonna stay out late with friends until the we hours until I'm very tired and go to sleep without thinking. How funny. Is that weird when you're on the road
0: and like staying in hotel rooms alone? Or I guess there's like people in hotels always.
1: Yeah, there's it's uh gotcha. the hotel situation doesn't
0: make me feel alone. Gotcha. Yeah. I I every I play the game with my roommates. Uh I've one roommate, but every roommate I've ever had, which is the if you didn't see me for a couple of days, aka if I died in mm-hmm. my bed, like how long until you'd actually check for my body?
1: That's you know, ooh, that's a questionable one. I luckily I've disappeared for Something like, cause I would stay over at another friend's house and just crash. And then I'd like, my, one of my roommates would usually around the afternoon the next day, like, you alive? I'm like, oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm alive. You're like, this was a test. You did great.
0: <laughs> That's so interesting, though, about living alone. Yeah, I don't think I can ever do it.
1: It's okay. Yeah. I'm, I know, I'm not, I'm 36. I've never <laughs> <laughs> going to do it. Uh, I just like quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, my roommates are quiet. Like, that's the thing is like you can, you can gain quiet in a, in a multiple person situation, yeah. but it depends on who you live with. True. Um, but on average, my house is not rumbugious. It's fairly quiet. And even if it was, it wouldn't bother me too much. I'm like, I'm one of seven kids. So if you make a bunch of noise, it takes a, it takes a whole lot to pierce through. <laughs> that's funny. And get on my nerves. Where, where were you in the lineup of kids? I'm the fifth.
0: Oh, wow. Child, yes. Oh, in the in the fifth of seven was
1: the golden mm-hmm. child, though. Well, I'm my father's eldest son. Oh wow! Which is that's, so yeah, that's why I became the golden child. Because even though there were two, I've told us two other brothers, they're not my father's sons. So, so, so have they adjusted
0: to the fact that you're not going to be a doctor? Like, are they proud of how far you've come in comedy?
1: Um, that's a good question. I also don't search for their acceptance. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a relationship today? Uh, I, I, like... Uh, with them? Oh, yeah. Oh, I, okay. I talked to my mother here and there. Uh, my father moved back to Ethiopia, so I talked to him very rarely. But on average, it's mostly me. Gotcha. <laughs> being okay with myself. So it's... Yeah, I, I don't know. I think there was just an immediate need to never need their acceptance in regards to how I live my life. Yes. Interesting. I know it's very... It throws a lot of people off where I'm like, I don't ask for their approval. <laughs> Do you,
0: do you seek it from anybody or is it just not care about theirs?
1: I think I, I, I am independent in that regard. Gotcha. Um, sometimes I do things out of spite. (laughs) Like I definitely like, like I, like I, like whenever anybody tells me I can't do something, then it's more along the lines of, okay, now I have to show you that I can do this. Yes. More so than I need your acceptance. I want to, I want to outshine another person more than anything.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Something that I mean I think in Hollywood I've I'm sure we have mm-hmm. gone out for thousands of jobs that we've not gotten and that doesn't crush you because it's just expected and then that has current transferred over into my dating life whereas if somebody doesn't like me they reject me yeah. this or that like it literally doesn't ruin my day because it just feels like another rejection oh, yeah. from work yeah, it's just but my
1: friends are like I think more upset about those things than I am <laughs> 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 um like things that like get you here and there but on average like it's good to not be too worried about the thing that happened in the past. It's yeah. Like living in the moment, like that's what comedy does for me. It's like, I have to be present. I have to be aware. And like, sometimes my day can be spent like regretting and thinking about things in the past. But the time I get on the stage, like, why does that matter? Yeah. Just be in this moment right now.
0: Yeah. You've hit the 10 year mark of doing comedy, right? hmm I, I bring that up because every comedian I know says it takes like 10 years to become comfortable, to like <laughs> become like quote unquote good. Yeah. Do, does it feel different to you now?
1: Um, I'm much more comfortable on stage than I've ever been, but I don't think there's anything that's sure about being a performer. Um, so yeah, I feel definitely much stronger than I was in the beginning, but I don't think I'm ever going to feel like I'm a hundred percent the best comedian I'll ever be. (laughs)
0: As long as, or about two years ago, you were yeah.
1: doing uh,
0: jokes about working in a fine dining restaurant.
1: Yes, I
0: did. <laughs> um, you are no longer waiting no, tables, right? Uh,
1: I that was I left that job about a year and a half ago. That's amazing. Um,
0: I, I bring it up because there is this weird period, and I think a performer's life where you're you're on Conan, and people are so proud of you, yeah. and they think
1: that you've like hit the pinnacle of life, but you still can't pay your rent. Oh, yeah. I went to work at the restaurant the very next day. Right. I was like, I, and I did have, like, I even had customers come in who were like, I saw you. And I'm like, well, I have to get your order now. Yeah. You're like, it's like just training on humility. Yeah. And, <laughs> the- but I also got to see other, cause uh, where I worked, I had other comedians. Um, a good friend of mine, Nico Santos, who's uh, the, one of the uh, stars on uh, Superstore. Um, he, he's the one that got us a, a bunch of comedians a job at the restaurant that I worked at. And he, he was working at the host desk, and he was doing Chelsea Lately all the time, at the, and people would just come in and be like, I saw you on TV last night. And you just have to be like, fantastic. Well, how many people are in your party? Yeah,
0: smoking or not. Yeah. Um, wow. That's just like such a weird experience that I don't think a lot of people like outside of these big cities understand. When you're like, your yeah. public visibility is growing, but you still, your five minutes on Conan is not going to help you pay rent. No. It's It'll not. help you get bigger jobs, but yeah. it's not
1: giving you money for that. It just eventually, like, things, like, it supplements eventually, but it's just, you have to just in, just be okay with the fact that you have to be on TV and then go to your job the next day. Yeah. And you're in your writing on a TV show now. Yes, right? but I don't know if I can announce it on the podcast. Okay, yet. we won't say <laughs> nothing. Um, do you worry about money still? Oh, no. No. Wow. Not at all. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, especially, like, I'm not going to say I'm not wealthy by any means, but comparatively to where I've been for the last thirty-five years of my life, oh. <laughs> this is significantly more comfortable. Uh and I'm definitely at a place where it's odd because it's, to have people respect you that you you didn't expect. Like you're like, okay, you you worked on TV for twenty plus years and now you're talking to me like I'm an equal. That's very confusing. Oh wow. <laughs> so it's That's the part that I'm adjusting to, is uh, the 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 respect of my opinion and the uh, being okay at being at the places that I am, like having a seat at the table. Yeah, I didn't think I would ever be allowed that, and like scooting your chair in instead of back. Oh yeah, exactly. It's like oh (laughs) oh, you want to hear me talk? I didn't think that was a viable option. (laughs) Wow.
0: Well, I, I what did you? What was your? Did you have a goal in with stand up comedy? Like where it
1: would take you? I. I've always wanted to work on television. I've, I've like stand-up comedy is something that I want to do forever, but it's one of those things where you can do forever, and it's not the main money maker. When um, you say work
0: on television, are you saying writing or performing or both?
1: Um, all of it. Like I've definitely like I grew up obsessed with uh, sitcoms because that's like that's the best uh, entry into American culture is the American sitcom, and it's uh, especially for. An immigrant family doesn't understand English, like we understand laugh tracks, we understand slapstick. Oh, uh, you understand like the rule of threes and mm-hmm. stuff. Oh wow. So we would watch so many sitcoms and we'd laugh even if we didn't understand what was going on. And the same with stand-up comedy, we'd watch that, even though we had no idea what was happening, we'd understand cadence and any like any high like any especially the higher uh, higher energy the the uh, comedian, the easier it is for us to laugh along. Uh and that's I just became ever since i was young comedy was just a deep deep obsession and television was for sure like i like this is what raised me and i want to be wow. every part of it
0: so not only were you learning english you were learning like cultural norms and how mm-hmm. to fit in exactly oh were you very aware that you were a like black african person and not like a black african-american person um, or is that was
1: it that like defined well, the, with being like even though we're African, uh there is essentially a point in time where you have to comprehend that you're black in America uh and that's there's no like <laughs> there's no like little niches in blackness that you can really just like there's it's just the way the country reminds you because at first we were like, "Oh, people are different towards us because we don't speak English." And then we learn English and then, "Oh, people are not that happy because we have an accent." Then we lost our accents and then it's like, "Oh, it's because we're black <laughs> right and so even though i i was raised uh as an ethiopian as and i and i was raised uh not like skin color wasn't the the thing brought up in my family i didn't have like the uh be wary of the police don't trust <laughs> these things and the reason that this person's doing this is because you're black and it's like okay and that's but you have to like you learn that eventually and it's it's just that's the experience, like, is different in some ways, but I think there's a lot of similarities, uh, especially later on in life when you realize it. Yeah. <laughs> was, was there like
0: one moment that you realized, like, oh, I, I'm
1: actually black, and like that's what this issue might be? Um, yeah. But I think it's uh, something that we all, like, my family realized together. So gotcha. like it was like a like a like a full on like whole family.
0: Oh. Was there a specific moment or just like slowly I, I, mean,
1: over time? I just remember one time we were just, uh, we were at a, a family, we went to a Denny's and they sat us, my big family in the smallest booth, completely uh, open section next to us at, that had bigger tables and they refused to do anything. They like just treated us so poorly. And you know, I was like, and at first we thought it was because our parents spoke. So we spoke up. And then we realized the treatment was still happening. Even when the the kids that spoke perfect English were like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, okay. We're going to get treated badly regardless of what they think of. Jeez. So I was like, all right, we're black. <laughs> it's,
0: it's, I was going to say, tell me if this is, if this is offensive. Mm-hmm. You have like perfect diction. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that because it's like, oh, I, I'm black. I have to like speak like very, very well. Um, is that rude to ask? Well, I'm thinking like when you're like learning at that age as an immigrant.
1: Well, that's well being like speaking English was just a thing that you want to be very good at. It's more along the lines of being an immigrant than it is because I had a I had an accent and I wasn't allowed to leave ESL until that accent dropped. So I became an obsession of mine based on how I like how the way I spoke.
0: Uh, oh, because if you were speaking perfect
1: English with an Ethiopian accent, mm-hmm. it still
0: wasn't good enough.
1: I was re- Yeah, I was reading at a high school level and they wouldn't allow me. In the fifth grade, they wouldn't allow me out of ESL until my accent completely dropped.
0: Holy shit.
1: And then when I was full, like, I like I even they like they told me to go uh, do stage stuff. So I was performing on stage. I was so I so I learned how to um to draw my accent while I uh, projected my voice. And then I was able to draw that back down to to my actual normal voice. Is that
0: r- racism when they're like telling you can't speak with an accent? I can't. Ye, well, I think that's xenophobia. Okay. Yes.
1: Um, I feel like
0: honestly, I feel like my question was a little bit like racist. Like, why do you have a great diction?
1: It is a little bit racist. Everything is a little bit racist. Okay, um, great, we're great. But
0: I, so I'm obsessed with the way people speak, specifically queer people, mm-hmm. because I think that I talk like this because I like had to beat the queerness out of my voice in order to like pass and feel safe in North Carolina in the south. And a part of me just wonders like, what would I actually sound like if I didn't care?
1: It's true i never really thought about because i wasn't a feminine kid but i like with an african accent you can you can't really catch that <laughs> uh, in my funny. voice uh it was more of my mannerisms that w- what people focused on i was a very swishy little boy uh <laughs> that's funny uh and even though like i like but i was also my dad was very focused on my me being effeminate. So it wasn't more along the lines of the society. It was more along the lines of, my dad wants me to be more manly. Gotcha. Uh, so it wasn't. So, yeah, I guess it, the way I spoke was more along the lines of just uh, wanting people to not judge my accent. Yes. Um, and then my uh, the way I stood and talked and walked <laughs> was where I was more concerned about uh, people figuring out my gayness.
0: Yes. I think that I also want it to be perceived as being intelligent. Mm-hmm. And in the, um, in the South, there's so many different hard accents. And you just assume if they're speaking with a certain accent that they're a moron. And that wasn't the case. Yeah. You know, I'm it's like brilliant people with horrible accents. Uh, horrible, that's a joy, yeah. judgment. Um, <laughs> but I,
1: I didn't want people to make that judgment about me. Well, of course. Something that I didn't, like, never picked the accent up. <laughs> no, that's, people assume that the Southern accent is a dumb person. But it's like, that's not. Right. that's not how that works. That's never how it works. But it's the yeah, same it's the same situation with the African accent was people assume um like my very good friend she is from Uganda her English is the only language she knows uh she grew up in an, like in an English school and she doesn't know to speak any other language yet because she has a Ugandan accent people just assume she doesn't understand English and it's like no guys god <laughs> she's speaking the queen's english
0: <laughs> that's wild yeah what a lovely place we live in.
1: Yes. <laughs> the world
0: in general. I asked earlier about your goals as a stand up comic because I think about that there's a really rich queer lady history mm-hmm. and for comics and comedians, but for queer men they're quite less visible and working.
1: Well, it's because they're they were closeted. <laughs> Well,
0: but I'm thinking like, like even like Ellen's and Rosie's have had like a massive careers mm-hmm. and like Margaret Cho is by um, like the working men comics that I can think of now are like Guy Branham a massive yeah. fan of,
1: um, but he's not like a household name. Um, yeah, there is for sure. Uh, it's like when I first started, um, like there weren't even that many queer comedians going up to the open mics uh, and I can only assume the same for people like Guy Branham and James Adomian and, it's it's not it's definitely like there are there were gay there were queer men in comedy before they were just not saying anything. Right. Um and the movement for uh for queer women definitely like Ellen pushed that to the forefront and that was the nineties and that still hasn't happened for queer men in in, in comedy. <laughs> uh but it's slow it's definitely a much better situation than when I first started doing comedy. It's definitely in a place where they're actually seeking out and asking for our voices.
0: That's amazing because I guess like every pilot season there's always the comedian who's mm-hmm. got his pilot,
1: you know, and they're doing that and I don't see that for queer men, yeah guy Branham broke the seal, yeah, <laughs> and I think that's gonna that's gonna keep proceeding uh and because like I'm in a position where I'm pitching and I know, I know other uh other gay men in comedy that are that are in that process as well. So I think eventually there's gonna be uh hopefully a network deal where that's happening. So yeah. Tell me for this is crazy. I have a
0: theory that I have to wonder if since young, gay, funny men are looking out into the world of career options mm-hmm. and they don't see that many prominent gay male stand-up comedians, but they do see Some of the funniest people I know in my life are drag queens, gay men. But they do see drag queens being celebrated and having TV shows and on social media. I have to wonder if that's why, if they're going into drag. Um, These people who would have gone to stand-up.
1: That might be the point, but drag in itself is also, that's a performance. Like, like I think um, no one really seeks drag that isn't, like want to do the actual drag part. Very few people like it's women's clothing. Isn't something that is an easy feat just, to like, pull fall off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't just like you have to, there is a desire to definitely dress up. Yeah. Um, and, but there's also I, drag queens are phenomenal performers. Uh, and I think like as much as I can say the difficulty of doing the comedy clubs is I know that doing a drag show is significantly yeah. more difficult. Like, if, at a comedy show if a bachelorette party showed up it would ruin the night uh however drag queens have to deal with sometimes 3 to 4 bachelorette parties at once and i i would fall apart i would be i've like i've followed a drag queen performing once and that's what the lesson i've learned is never follow a drag queen cuz you'll never be as good
0: <laughs> why is th- why is that like wh- how can they handle crowd work that like,
1: is- well the the first thing you're doing is you're dressing as a woman <laughs> and presenting yourself in public. That is such a giant leap to take. Uh and that is such like you have like to do so much of that, you have to definitely be a certain level of performer and a certain level of bravery and a certain level of presence. And they I've like there I'm sure there's I'm sure there's terrible drag queens, but the ones that keep working on it and Like if you're eventually going to get some razor sharp teeth uh, because they go, they have like a, like they almost have like a workout of things to make you a better performer. Like you have to host, Uh, you have to riff, Uh, you have to have a unique number, you have to have a unique perspective because you can't have the same name as another drag queen. Uh, You can't have the same look, you can't have the same attitude. So you just, and there's also, they pull from all these amazing references of women uh, that I, so it's. It's definitely, it's like for comedians, it's like it's solely me and I have to prove, <laughs> prove like I have to garner like ability immediately. Yes. And then it's like I've, I probably have had, it's been easier for me to perform in straight crowds than it is in mostly queer crowds because they're such, a, they have, uh, they have higher regard to what they consider entertainment. Like you have to entertain me, you have to amaze me, and you have to do it real fast. Uh, while straight people are like, oh, uh, we have a, we're usually kind of boring <laughs> and we need to be a lower, like the standards are a little lower <laughs> on what you can do to be funny.
0: Oh, I've never heard that put that way.
1: But it's it's good to have an audience that's like, we want to be entertained and you're like, okay, I will have to do it. Yeah. It's it's the same like like doing an urban room or doing like any room that has like, high quality performers that are used to seeing amazing work, you have to be like, okay, you guys have seen some stuff before and I want to make sure I'm up to par. So are you
0: scoping out the audience every time to see what you're working with?
1: Um, well, you, all, like, you have to be aware of the room and the space. Um, and if you're not the first comedian of the night, it's always good to know, to check the barometer of the room based on the previous performer. The more mixed the audience is, the easier it is to get the, them to laugh because it's, uh, once you get a, a specific person's laugh, that becomes contagious throughout the room. And it, it's just like the, the more mixed, the better, honestly. Gotcha. You've talked, uh, I think
0: maybe it was a set about a, you have a fisting joke.
1: Oh yes. <laughs> do you, do
0: you enjoy like seeing how far you can get like with audiences? Like how far <laughs> like into the, <laughs> into the fist, just kidding. Yeah. Um, like, is that fun to push the audience like that?
1: Um, it is uh, because it's the audience is. Um, it's it's better to think of it. It's a, a we're in this together kind of situation than it is to do it like a me versus them. Um, so like, I don't feel like I'm pushing them when I'm telling that stuff. I'm, I feel like I'm bringing them in to who I am. Uh, so which it just, is a, which is a fister, yeah. <laughs> well the one time, uh, but it's yeah it's like doing something that vulnerable about something I've done in the past is been more beneficial than non beneficial uh, because it's the audience even, no matter how grossed out they are want will happily go down a road with you uh, even if it's like we're not used to this.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fun though. Yeah. You, is your community of Friends in Los Angeles are they mainly comedians
1: yeah unfortunately <laughs>
0: how many of that they're like,
1: a wonderful group of heathens
0: <laughs> how many of that are people are queer
1: um not like it's a it's it's a fair amount um but uh it's because the industry is predominantly straight uh so and yeah it's i I wish I had more. <laughs> More queer friends, but I do have a a good solid group that I get oh, to really? hang out with that are performers. Gotcha.
0: I I just wonder because in the older I've gotten, the more my circle friends has become
1: queer only. Um, my own, mine is mostly comedians, yeah, uh, and it's usually comedians of color, uh, and we're not, a lot of them aren't queer. <laughs> so uh,
0: I wonder too, just if my friends and my straight friends are falling off because they're getting married, having kids, mm-hmm. like guys, where are you?
1: The gay men in comedy, we, we tend to be aware of each other and hang out when we here and there. Um but a very good friend of mine, he's also a gay comedian and that's I've only managed to get one that I hang out with regularly. <laughs> gotcha. I guess I'm just thinking about other gay comedians. I think John Early
0: is actually killing it at the moment. He's
1: doing a phenomenal job. Yes.
0: Yeah. I don't know if did he. I don't know if he did stand up or if he sketch based.
1: He is. I don't know his sketch background, but he's for sure stand up as well. uh, say he's for sure gay. <laughs> he's for sure gay. <laughs> John uh, Early's gay. This is uh, breaking um, news. Um, but he like he did a lot of stand up. He does uh. But he's he's New York, so I met him oh. here every once in a while. So I've never, I don't think we've done like we like like we've done like a, a hangout. Uh, and I'm 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 the worst. I should definitely be better at contacting people and hanging out with them. Mo- it's mostly being my friend is opportunity. <laughs> it's like who's the closest to me.
0: <laughs> that's funny. I, I was thinking then you're saying New York about SNL and how it's such a launch pad for people. And mm-hmm. I don't remember the last gay man that's been on that show.
1: Um, has there ever been one?
0: I don't have no idea.
1: I can't think of one.
0: Um, I mean, like Chris Kelly was the lead writer. Oh yes, but he was not on the show. On the no. show,
1: I can't. Um, no, I, don't I mean, think.
0: I mean, I guess we'd be remiss not to mention Kate McKinnon,
1: but yes, not a man. <laughs> yes, uh, and she's not even that crazy open about her private life, so. <laughs> I know. I don't think Kate likes to talk about her private life. I've not heard her. I think. And but I also don't think she likes to talk. Like, I think she had an interview where she barely said anything.
0: Oh, (laughs) that's just who she is. Yes. Gotcha. I hate. I also like fucking hate like judging people based on like their like social activism. So like Kate didn't say anything. Like I hate. I don't like think less of her.
1: Well, that's, that's some people, if it bothers some people, it bothers, it doesn't bother. I don't, I could care less. I'm, I'm open. I do my social activism and that's what kind of what I have to maintain. Yeah. It's my own personal work that I should be concerned with. Uh, A lot of the issues uh, uh, that, especially online right now is where people judge the work of others and not really taking a mirror to themselves on what they've done enough.
0: Yes. You you were talking earlier about not. Following your parents' expectations mm-hmm. about putting words in your mouth, or like that. So no, I, I was, I was th- asking about like a societal. I, I was thinking about uh, just relationships, and yes. um, like my views on monogamy have been like changing. Um, and society says that a relationship was a man and a woman, and now society's like it can be a man and a man, and mm-hmm. that's fine too. And then I think like the next big taboo that we're going to talk about is like polyamory and yeah. open relationships because that's so yeah. people keep it so close to this chest. Sure. Yes. And so I'm now, I'm just like interrogating my own beliefs being like, does this work for me? Do I want to try it? It's like my partner wants to.
1: Um, I uh, I get that. Uh, it sounds very exhausting. Uh, I think that's the issue that I, especially as I get closer to my 40s, I'm like, okay, a whole other person. Uh, <laughs> um, I just don't
0: like enough people to actually like be polyamorous. Yeah, that's Personally. the like...
1: I like I, 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 I was barely able to handle the relationship that I was in recently and I broke it off. <laughs> oh, no. Why? Uh, well, that one was a weird one uh, because he was recently out and there's a lot of apprehension on doing things publicly that just eventually just weighed on me. Oh. So I, I was very, I, like, I, I, it, was, it was things that I didn't think bothered me and I happily said that they didn't bother me out loud and then eventually it became like, oh, these things bother me they actually make me very angry. Oh, no. <laughs> Especially after being like purely out and not hindering myself in any way for so long and then to have that in a relationship like, oh, I didn't like this in the past and I don't like it now.
0: That's so <laughs> weird too. Yeah. Ugh. I hate having to be like, remember when I said I was cool with this? I actually just, I rethought mm. it. <laughs> that was a
1: 100% lie. I am actually want to hit you now because I, you, you made me go through this. <laughs> Oh no. And, I'm sorry. Well, it's it it's uh it's definitely a thing he did as well. I'm not going to not give him the blame because there's there's a, there's a bit of an awareness on his part, uh but it was for sure something I let happen to myself as well. So it's like, okay, you can't. Well, you can't he, do that anymore.
0: Did he come out for you? No, no, no. He was already oh, okay, out, okay.
1: uh but he wasn't like I, there's there's levels of being yeah. out. Uh, sorry, you
0: don't need a spree- <laughs> break up breakup relationship. <laughs> oh, that's okay. And it's just it's just like such pressure, like big someone's like first at like our age too.
1: Mm. And I'm twelve. I'm 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 I'm, I'm 14. <laughs> uh, like, oh, I 14. I was fourteen. I'm fourteen now. but no, I'm about to turn thirty I'm thirty-six now. Uh <laughs> and so was, yeah, I just like I couldn't like I was barely able to handle one relationship and its issues. I can't imagine throwing another person in that situation. I would have been just I can't deal with both of you at the same time, right? (laughs) I
0: mean, a lot of my friends who do open relationships are ones who are on the road a lot. Like, did you guys have an
1: open relationship? No. Okay. Um, Not to my knowledge. Unless he, like, I, but here's the thing is I would, if he wanted, like, if he wanted to be open, I would, like, go for it. I'm fine with that. As long as I'm not involved, I don't care what you do. (laughs) Gotcha. Uh, But on my end, I was like, I want to be, I'm going to enjoy the moment in my bed by myself. With uh, the roommate next door, though. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's, yeah, it was definitely, towards the end, it just was, got weird, and I didn't, like, the open idea was just, was something I thought about, but I was like, I'd rather not.
0: Yeah. I For me, it's, like, something that I'm probably not going to propose to somebody, mm-hmm. but if they propose it to me, I'm going to say, great, let's talk
1: about it. Yeah. I, well, I would go go for it. Do whatever you want, as long as I don't have to be a part of anything.
0: But but some, I feel like some people like want to know when it happens. I want to know like what happened. Some people don't want to know anything. So like I would want to like decide like what what are we cool with in that regard.
1: And I say be free. I don't want to control anybody else's life. Go ahead and do it. As long as the rules are that I'm around, then I'm fine. As long as I well, no, I don't want to be like I don't want to be I don't want to be a part of it. That's the thing. I like if you want another relationship, I don't want to be a part of it. Gotcha. <laughs> but go for it. <laughs> that's that's what I feel about polyamory. I'm like go for it. I'm I just gotcha. don't make me do it. <laughs> I'm sad. You're like I'm tired. Yeah. It's mostly my attitude. It's like I'm I'm tired. <laughs> I was mentally exhausted when I was working at a restaurant for a whole day and then had to go and do shows and then I had to go out of t- like that was that was i Get a lot of downtime now, and it's um, wonderful. I've never had this much downtime just in my life, and I got a I got a video game system again, and I'm playing games. I had no idea that I could get back into that. That's amazing that
0: you yeah. now have a full time job and you've never had so much downtime.
1: Yeah, well, it's because uh, like, it's they're they're not long term jobs. Um, at most, the longest job uh, writing up I had was about four months and then there's going out and doing shows and then there's doing something on television, uh, as a performer so that, that like, it's the space between work can be sometimes two weeks, sometimes a whole month. And then I'm just at home, uh, with, uh, with money to burn and a new video game system to play.
0: (laughs) Great. Um. Thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, people want to find out more about you. Send them like Twitter. You're very active on Twitter.
1: I'm very active on Twitter. That's where I thrive. Uh, <laughs> at Solomon Giorgio. Uh it's my first and last name. The only one in the country. Um, there's another one somewhere in England. I will take him down. Don't worry about it.
0: All right, y'all, that's our show. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a comment, tweet about us, tell your friends, write articles, help us to spread the word. I also love hearing your guest suggestions each week on Twitter. Tweeting at me is the easiest way to do that. I tweet from at JeffMasters1. You can also sign up for our award-winning newsletter. You can do that at lgbtqpodcast.com. Special thanks to the Elon University Studio in Los Angeles and AfterBuzz TV, where we're co-launched. We'll see you next week. Bye. That mm-hmm. enough.